Greetings, everyone. I'm Dr. Tiffany Wingfield, Director of Member Relations and the ASHP Staff Liaison for the Pharmacy Technician Forum here at ASHP. Thanks for joining. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature focusing on topics important to pharmacy technicians from the exceptional programming from the 2021 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, leadership advice, and the best practices in the practice of pharmacy. As far as health system integration goes, in order for us to really even start practicing as a health system, we did a very significant restructure of our leadership model across all facilities. So we had a finite number of leaders and a lot of people who needed to have someone to report to directly. So the first step was thinking about how we wanted to restructure our leadership model, and that directly involved how we could advance technicians and bring them into more leadership type roles so that our pharmacy, our pharmacist leaders would have some additional support as far as technician goes. We also did a very thorough compensation assessment for all of the facilities. So we wanted everyone to have an equal baseline. And when we started, we definitely were not in an equal baseline as far as our compensation goes for technicians across the system. We did look at standardizing our technician roles. So if someone was doing something at one facility, does that make sense for it to happen in another facility? What unique things are we doing at our different practice sites and can we learn from each other? We also created some clinical service lines and that is more related to pharmacists, but I wanted to include that here as it was a big part of our system integration and thinking about how we can be creative with the leaders that we have and spread them across all of the jobs that we need to be completed. So just to provide a little bit of an overview about our pharmacy technician staffing, I know this is something that I'm always curious about whenever I talk to leaders of other organizations is, you know, what is their spread? What is their staffing model of technicians? How many technicians do you have based upon the number of beds in your facility? So University of Louisville Hospital, the inpatient pharmacy, we have 52 technicians and that is equivalent to 36.45 FTE or full-time equivalents. So you may hear me discuss FTEs later in the presentation when we talk about new roles that were added. But we really think about our FTE a lot as far as productivity and are we meeting the needs of our patients with the current FTE we have allotted to certain tasks. So that is something that we will discuss throughout the presentation as well. And then I also just wanted to provide a little bit about what a staffing model was pre-career ladder implementation because we did have some specialty roles and selective cross-training in some facilities and other facilities. They may only have two or three technicians and they just do everything. So those technicians are already high specialized in that they can function in multiple different roles where some of our facilities supported more of individual and unique job duties for a single technician and not all technicians. So whenever I say specialty roles and selective cross-training, I will just use the example of sterile compounding and automation technician. So we would consider an automation technician to be a specialty role. An automation technician is devoted specifically to that. I do expect them to be trained in all basic functions of a pharmacy technician but they function in a more specialized role and sterile compounding. So at our facility at University of Louisville Hospital, we do not train all technicians in sterile compounding. I know it's kind of a spread across the board on what facilities do, but we really support that most of our staff are dedicated exclusively to sterile compounding. They're not cross-trained in other areas. And we really want to make sure that our technicians who are interested in sterile 
get a thorough training and are dedicated to that where we have some technicians who really have no interest in sterile compounding. So when I say selective cross-training, that's sort of what I mean there. So at UofL, we also have the Brown Cancer Center. So the Brown Cancer Center functions independently. It does have its own pharmacy space and all of its own employees. So I wanted to make sure that that was included here. At University of Louisville, we also have an outpatient and specialty pharmacy and they function entirely independently as well. So even though we all are on the same campus at UofL, we do have three independent pharmacies that are functioning with managers and a specific subset of technicians. Now between the Brown Cancer Center and inpatient, we may share some of our sterile compounding staff back and forth as staffing needs exist. But overall, they are pretty independent as far as we staff in one place or the other. So for the rest of the facilities within the organization, Jewish Hospital and Fraser Rehabilitation Institute, as you may have noticed, I listed them as separate entities previously. However, they are on the same campus and connected. So I listed them all in one here because the technicians do service both of those facilities when they're working in the inpatient pharmacy. So Jewish Hospital has 44 technicians and 29.1 FTE. Jewish Hospital does not have nearly as many PRN staff as we do at UofL. So that's a little bit where that FTE discrepancy comes up there. They do have the same model as far as specialty roles and selective cross-training. They also do not train all of their technicians on sterile. Then we move to Mary and Elizabeth, which is a community hospital, and they have 21 technicians, 13.75 FTE, so a much smaller facility, and they cross-train all of their employees. Peace Hospital, very small facility, only 3.15 FTE cross-training for all employees, and the same thing for Shelbyville. So Shelbyville is considered more of a critical access hospital. It's a subsidiary of the inpatient facilities and, you know, they do keep inpatients. However, if it's going to be a little bit more complicated, they usually get transferred to one of the three larger facilities, UofL, Jewish, or Mary and Elizabeth. Okay, so thinking about our career ladder development. So what was our purpose? Our purpose was to create equal opportunities for professional development and advancement of certified pharmacy technicians within the UofL health pharmacy department. So our first steps here were putting together a leadership group from all sites. So managers, supervisors, anyone who has worked directly with technicians or who is involved in technician staffing, we all got together just to see what we were doing at each facility, looked at the skills and training, and how could we leverage what our technicians are doing right now to benefit us moving forward and function as a health system. So we evaluated all the existing positions, and I'll talk about that a little bit later about what positions we had at each facility and what positions we added. We developed new job descriptions. So every single technician got a new job description. We did have a baseline that we used, but we built upon that so that we could add more specific criteria to allow advancement within the health system. We also created specialized roles per facility based on needs. So when we were looking at that prior slide, Shelbyville and Peace Hospital, you know, they only have a finite number of technicians to begin with. So we didn't have the need to create a lot of specialty roles there because their technicians are cross-trained to do a lot of those specialty activities in general. So we looked at the needs of each facility and kind of saw where they fell on that ladder. Okay, so looking at the requirements for technicians. So we always have to have our technicians registered with the Kentucky Board of Pharmacy. I did want to include a little bit specifically about the state of Kentucky here on this slide because we do have some unique laws within our state board of pharmacy that not all states have. So not only do we want the technicians to be registered with the Kentucky Board of Pharmacy, they also need national certification from a pharmacy technician certification board. So PCTB or other accreditation body unless noted in their unique job description. So some of our 
technicians are completing more desk jobs and they don't necessarily need the certification. And we made sure that that was included in their job descriptions when we did that entire reorg there. So Kentucky state law, pharmacy services and hospitals or other organized healthcare facilities. So section seven standard item three, the stocking of medications in a decentralized automated pharmacy system utilizing barcode technology shall be done by a pharmacist, pharmacist intern, or a certified pharmacy technician. So as I discussed a little bit previously, our technicians are very independent. They're autonomous. They are constantly restocking automation independently. So we really need everyone to be certified. And that is per Kentucky state law to work in an institutional facility that uses barcode technology and uses automation. So here is our technician career ladder of what we developed. So a pharmacy tech one is entry level. A pharmacy tech two is advanced. A pharmacy technician three is specialized. So they're performing one of those specialty roles. And then a pharmacy technician four is considered to be a senior technician. Most of those are going to fall into a supervisory or a coordinator category, but there are others that have some more unique, like I said before, desk job type descriptions. So just going over what the requirements were for each different job level. So a pharmacy technician one is considered to be entry level. So that's our basic staffing technician who is providing daily supportive services for the Department of Pharmacy. They are competent and able to perform all essential functions within their job description of a certified pharmacy technician. So we cross train all of our employees to do all of the different functions that we have that are not related to sterile. So we usually separate out our technicians into sterile and non-sterile. So someone who can perform all of those abilities is considered to be an entry-level technician. We did decide at the time of career ladder implementation that all external candidates new to U of L Health will join the department as entry-level technicians unless applying for a position with a unique job description. So one of those level three or level four technicians. So a level two technician is essentially just an advanced version of your level one technician. So they must exhibit proficiency in all the essential functions and achieve one or more of the expertise criteria below. I'm not going to read off all of these as they will be available to you on the slide. However, I did want to focus on sterile compounding train and practicing continuously for one year. So this is something that we thought was really important that we wanted to make sure our sterile staff were advanced within this career ladder. So we didn't want to just put someone into sterile training training, let them staff for a month, and then they're already moving up to a level two. We really wanted them to show dedication to sterile compounding practice, all of the rules, regulations, the competencies that you have to keep up, the extra knowledge base that you have to have. So that was one of the big things that we included in this advanced level. You will see some of our other areas here are more specific jobs or duties that we have within our organization. You also see the medication history technician falls into this level two. Now that one is a little bit different because it does have a unique job description, but we did put them in a level two for the initial approval of the technician ladder. So specialized technician roles level three. So here are all of our unique job titles and technician roles. You can also see the position status and staffing and then any additional comments. So whenever we came together to be a health system, as far as an automation technician goes, we had two FTE across the system dedicated to that. We added an additional FTE. As far as a controlled substance technician, the same thing. So someone dedicated specifically to controlled substance inventory and distribution. So I'm not going to read through all of these. I just wanted these job titles to be available as I think that that's always something of interest that brings up a good talking point between facilities. And then our specialized technician roles for level four. Now I will tell you with this level four, the Roman numeral, we have had a lot of confusion that people think that it is IV. So I did want to clarify that this is a level four technician. This is our highest level of our technician career ladder. So our technician supervisor positions, these were new. So we added six FTE 
dedicated to this. No additional FTE was added to our overall bucket, but we did add six positions for technician supervisors. Our 340B coordinator, we have four of those. And then a revenue coordinator, we have three of those. Those fall more under our procurement and revenue cycle bucket. So those are not necessarily dedicated to inpatient operation functions, but that is how many staff we have dedicated across the system. And they do function in an inpatient and outpatient capacity. So as far as advancement goes, a level one to a level two. So I listed some of those criteria on the prior slide and the technicians are eligible for this during annual performance evaluation. So if we had a technician who started sterile compounding training in March of one year, they would not be eligible until they had completed a full year of sterile compounding practice at their next performance evaluation. And our performance evaluation cycle is usually in July. So they would not be eligible for advancement and a promotion until the following July. Then advancement to level three and four is only available in the event of a vacancy or a new FTE addition. Okay, so initial approval. So what did we do to get all of these things and ideas that we had approved? So as I said before, the pharmacy leadership, we met and discussed this and everyone had input and approved the changes that we wanted to make. So pretty much all facilities were represented and made sure that their concerns and their needs were gonna be met based upon their unique patient population. So we approved it at pharmacy leadership. We had to have human resources and compensation very heavily involved with this from the beginning. So what can we even do within the system financially? What makes sense for human resources? What makes sense for recruiting? So if you have one takeaway point from this presentation, involving human resources and compensation is a huge, huge piece to success. You can put together a successful career ladder, but if you can't compensate your technicians or your staff in order to achieve your goals of advancing, then you're not going to get very far with the technician career ladder. And of course, we did have to have finance approval, and then the chief medical officer had to back our plan as we were asking for a lot as far as what we were going to do with all of our technician staff throughout the system. So implementation, we did work with the compensation and human resources and recruiting team to create new job grades for the technicians. So all of the job grades across the system were pretty much the same. There was not a whole lot of diversity as far as that goes. So when our initial compensation assessment, we had to create new job grades and then do a compensation review for all technicians to bring them up to a minimal or to a more standard level so that we had some equality and equity across the system. And then we had to do the initial placement of technicians into the career ladder. So our technicians that were currently employed with us, where did they fall within the new ladder criteria that we created? So as far as sharing this with staff, so this was a big change. There was a lot that went into it. So we wanted to ensure that our staff felt well informed, that they had the chance to ask questions. We really wanted them to get on board with this because it was a big change and we didn't want them to be resistant just because it was something new. So we had to share the overall new organization structure with staff. We provided the technician ladder directly to the technicians, a paper copy. We sent out electronic copies. We provided presentations. We posted the positions on the internal career pages and made sure that the technicians had access to that. And then we also offered multiple Q&A sessions to the staff. So we did several in-person announcements. We did some call announcements, just a variety of different ways to try to get all of this information and get the staff involved so that they would understand what our goals were and that they would be on board with the changes. Official offer letters were then given to all staff for change of job titles. So we met with each person individually and gave them what their new job title was going to be and explained that to them on where they fell within the technician career ladder. Updates one year post implementation. So 
technician supervisors. So this role was initially created to have direct reports. So just for an example, to give everyone an idea of what we were trying to achieve, I'll speak to UofL specifically since that is where I am the manager. We had a first shift technician supervisor and then we had a second slash third shift technician supervisor. The second shift technician supervisor mostly staffed second shift. However, he would occasionally move to third shift as well. So we created six positions in the original approval. One of these six positions at one of our sites was never filled and one was removed due to attrition. So we found that we wanted to reorganize the way that we did this. So these technician supervisors were still expected to staff in addition to having a lot of oversight responsibilities and leadership. And we found that that really was a lot for them to have direct reports. So we changed the job title to an operations coordinator and removed their direct reports in July of this year. We also have four coordinators in the system now as of September 2021. Other additions to the technician ladder. So non-certified technicians. I know earlier in this presentation, I discussed the need for certification within the state of Kentucky and the need for a certification to work in our facilities. However, I'm sure many of you have experienced the technician staffing crisis that we are experiencing. The amount of even non-qualified applicants is down. We are not getting many new technicians coming through the system. So we did create a non-certified technician career pathway that the technician can train and get certification within 90 days of hire, and we will support them doing that. So that is it, something new that we have added to the technician ladder. We have also added a system procurement coordinator, which is a level four technician, and that will be responsible for procurement across the system. And then a controlled substance quality assurance technician, which is a level three. So other career ladder updates, internal promotion, we did put some more specific criteria around this. We already talked about sterile compounding, so I'm not going to go over that, but it is available on the slide. This is a new addition, is a quality improvement project. We will allow technicians to promote up from a level one to a level two if they complete a formal QI project and they have a full fiscal year to do that. It has to be approved at the leadership level and have a formal presentation attached to it. So for external hires, this is also something that we ran into a lot of, you know, we have someone coming in who has a lot of sterile experience, but we said we're only going to hire them into a level one position. Sometimes that compensation has not been competitive enough. So we lost out on a few candidates and we said, okay, we need to go back to the drawing board. What can we do as a recruiting, as an HR, as a pharmacy department to fix this? So we did develop this this year to allow for prior sterile compounding assessment and prior hospital experience to be two eligibility factors that we would take into account for an external candidate. They will complete an advanced competency after 90 days of hire to determine eligibility. And then at the time of their job offer, we do work with our recruiter to have it offered to them that this is your initial level one pay. You will be eligible for advancement due to your experience and your skill set that you have voiced to us and that you have on your resume. After 90 days, you may be promoted to a level two and this is what your compensation will be. So we've been pretty successful with that model so far. We have not had a whole lot of people come in with prior hospital experience. So working on developing that competency is still something that we are doing. So other future goals and next steps. So we do want to promote our medication history technicians to a level three and develop a pathway for PCTB specialty certification for them. We would like to create an intern program for the system. We do currently employ several pharmacy interns. However, we don't have a formal system and we would like to get them included and have some unique things for them to do. We would like to create a unique job description for our operating room technician role and promote them to a level three. So they have a lot of responsibility as far as controlled substance auditing and other things 
things related to operating room at our facility. So we would like to give them more of an advanced title. And then we are also working on partnering with some other local technician training programs to help feed technicians in through the non-certified program and also advance them up depending on what program they are in as far as their education goes. So just to go over some of our successes and challenges, we did see increased job satisfaction and we had a lot of tenured employees. They felt very valued that they were able to promote up, that they had some advancement, that they had some compensation change. I did promote teamwork and collaboration within the department because we had a technician leader of sorts who was more of an advocate and more of a voice for them. They felt very comfortable going to their technician leader because they could relate to them on a one-on-one -on -one level. So I do think that we increased our collaboration and that has been a great tool for us. It encouraged further technician development. So it gave them something to strive for. There are more opportunities. There's more advancement pathways that are encouraging increased productivity and the desire to take on extra projects and help more within the department. And it also provided additional oversight for daily operations. So our pharmacy technician coordinators or prior supervisors, as I said before, they are staffing. So they are really setting the model for what the technicians should be doing. They are leveling the playing field in essence, and they're showing you know a positive example of what we expect of all of our technicians. Some challenges that we were presented with that promotion opportunities remove technicians from general staffing. So we weren't getting a whole lot of outside applicants for new positions and we were moving a lot of our technicians into specialty roles so we just were overall decreasing our workforce even though we were specializing technicians and wanting them to do more we really haven't even been able to achieve some of the advancement that we had hoped for just due to general staffing issues we created a little bit of a game of chess between our facilities so we did offer different specialty roles at each facility we've had a lot of people transfer back and forth between facilities to get a higher level role so that has been a little bit of a challenge to deal with and then just the general shortage of the technician workforce as it is it really has halted a lot of the things that we want to do just because we need technicians to complete daily activities and we don't have the staff to support them doing some of the more specialized functions and taking on the even extra responsibility that we would like within the promotion of the career letter. So I know that we're not unique and that we're facing that challenge. It's all across the board. So our key takeaways from the creation of this pharmacy technician career ladder, the demand for certified pharmacy technicians exceeds the supply of qualified candidates. So this is something that we are all facing. We have tried to get creative. We are offering new pathways, trying to promote the profession and just combat the shortage of staff in general. Technicians are often not competitively compensated. They have a very unique skill set. They play a critical role within the health system and within all pharmacies that staff technicians, they have a very pivotal role. So they deserve competitive compensation and that helps with tenure and also job recruitment. Collaboration with stakeholders is essential for success. So like we discussed previously, human resources, recruiting, compensation, finance, having everyone, all of the key stakeholders involved and upper level leadership and management on board with your ideas was one of the things that made our implementation so successful. Providing clear expectations and open lines of communication to staff assist with hesitation to change. So there was a lot of change. There were a lot of moving parts. So we tried to be very transparent in our communication and completed that in multiple different ways. Advancement opportunities allow tenured technicians new pathways and create value for dedication to the organization. So this was one of the biggest things that we saw with a lot of our tenured technicians is that they appreciate that they weren't just bottomed out, that they still have room to grow, that they have other things that they could do. There are specialty roles that they could potentially fulfill. And oftentimes they are even willing to 
contribute on what their ideas are for new potential specialized roles or ways that they could advance themselves. So that has been really rewarding for us to see that growth within our own staff. Thank you so much for listening in today. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2021 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Until then, this is Tiffany Wingfield from ASHP Official and thank you for all that you do for your patients.